The month of December always includes a Jordan 11 release. Should every month have a dedicated sneaker drop associated with it? We'll discuss this week on Fire Footwear. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Fire Footwear, a sneaker podcast. As always, I am your host, Matty Ice or Matt Freights, and I hope that this finds you well, and I want to thank you for tuning in this week. Last week, we had a little bit of a somber episode, but maybe even an inspiring episode. We talked about Virgil Abloh and the idea of legacy. Legacy means a lot to me, especially since my mom passed away. And when I was thinking about him last week, I thought about how much of a legacy he has left behind in such a short amount of time on this earth. And as somebody who has about the same amount of time as he does on this earth, I kind of thought to myself, what am I leaving behind? And maybe this show is one of those things. Certain sneakers, though, especially Air Jordans, they do have a lasting legacy of their own, don't they? When we think about the history of sneakers, we think about so many of yesteryear, like Jordan 1s, 3s, 4s, 5s, even 11s. So many other silhouettes like Air Force 1s, Stan Smiths, you name it. You can go back into the laurels of sneaker history and find so many of them that have a legacy of their own. December, though, for Nike and Air Jordan specifically, has kind of become known for an Air Jordan 11 release. The Air Jordan 11, in my mind, probably one of the top five most popular Air Jordans of all time. It was one of the weirdest ones that came out at the time. Michael fell in love with it, and therefore there have been so many colorways of it. The Concords, you name it. There's been tons. And every single December, Nike decides to release either a retro or a brand new colorway of the shoe. And I think that that's actually pretty cool. It's kind of like Christmas. It's in December. It's an anticipated drop. And while we do have a lot of drops to anticipate and be, I guess, happy about or look forward to, it does beg the question to me is should they do this for other shoes throughout the calendar year? Nike began releasing a Jordan 11 every December in 2008. That was a long time ago now. So that is what, 14 now straight Decembers that we are going to get a Jordan 11. Jordan 11s aren't necessarily my thing, but when they are presenting consumers and customers with either a brand new colorway of the classic shoe or a retro, what they're doing is placating to both sides, new and old heads alike. This year, we are getting the Cherry 11 highs and they've had shock drops. They've had exclusive access and they're going to be dropping in a couple of weeks here. And a lot of people are excited. They're not for me. I definitely cannot pull them off, but I understand the nostalgia around them and I understand why people like them. And in a packed year of releases, having that release penciled in is kind of a guaranteed worthy drop for you. When we are looking at our calendar year, trying to decide how we are going to spend our money, we really have to prioritize, don't we? If you're like me, you have a budget for many things in life. You have a lot of bills that need to be paid. One of them being your mortgage, your rent, daycare if you have kids that are that young, whatever. You have to make sure that you are managing all of those things so that you can continue to provide a living for yourself and possibly for your family, but also eat in terms of being able to get sneakers, something that you are very, very passionate about. And to me, I think when you look at that, you know, okay, there's going to be a Jordan 11 in December and 50-50, it's probably going to be a retro. So if you're somebody who's waiting for the Gamma Blues or the Space Jams, you might wait and see what they're going to release. And you'll probably find that out earlier in the year than December, but you know that it's going to happen and you know that you can pencil it in. But I do wonder what would happen if every month could be dedicated to a specific shoe? And what do I mean by that? 
Well, every single shoe that has come out has had a debut date, either a debut month or a debut year. And some of them, it's very, very difficult to find the debut month, as I have found out. But a lot of these companies know what they are. If they have been part of their their consumer line for as long as a lot of these shoes have, decades, they know when they came out. Nike knows when the Air Force One debuted. Maybe I couldn't find the month that it came out in 1982, but they know. And so I wonder, what would happen if we knew there was going to be a dedicated special release, whether it's a retro of something old or something brand new of a shoe that we all know and love? And the thing is, obviously they release a lot of different colorways throughout the entire year. So something like this would have to sort of reformat how they do sneaker culture these days, but maybe that would make it a little bit more special. Similar to the Air Jordan 11, right? The Air Max has its day in March, Air Max day, 326, March 26. And we see new silhouettes all the time, some that are received very well, some that are received not so very well. I think when it comes to something like an Air Max or even sneaker culture in general, I think a lot of people want what looks like a classic. So a couple of years ago, the Air Max 90 Bacon came out, if you remember this. It was plagued with QC issues. And honestly, I was surprised even today it doesn't sell at the hype level that it should. It's one of the best Air Maxes to ever come out. It is something that is a staple, a milestone in sneaker culture in terms of design. I mean, we're talking 2004, a boutique putting their design element on something. We see that all the time today, but that shoe got a re-release, a reshine, and you can get one for retail right now. It's one of the best Air Maxes ever, and it goes out for retail. I think that it has to do with maybe not understanding the history and some of the QC issues that came along with it. But what I'm saying here is that maybe we can give a shine, a proper shine. If we are taking old silhouettes, giving them that proper shine, focusing on their history for the entire month, and maybe people, younger heads alike, will actually want to buy something like this. And there's 12 months in a calendar year. I think that we can actually fit this in quite well. Don't you? Wouldn't you love it if in January of 2023, we could look and say, man, they're going to release an Air Jordan 2. Now, maybe a lot of people aren't necessarily as big into Air Jordan 2s, but you know it's going to be an OG one, something that Michael put on his feet and played with. To me, that's special. There is a large part of sneaker culture for whom that would be special. Let's take the Nike Dunk, for instance. We all know that today the Nike Dunk is one of the most hyped and overly produced silhouettes on the market in terms of Nike and Jordan brand. A couple of years ago, that was not the case. Nike and Nike SB had its heyday in the mid-2000s, late 2000s, and really things petered out when I started to get into the game in 2017-2018. They were putting out dunks, sure, but if you looked at the resale market, and even if you tried to get older dunks on places like Poshmark or on the resale market, unless they were really, really old, you actually could get them for just a little bit over retail. They didn't have this astronomical value associated to them as like a commodity or a collector's piece. And I think that the off-white dunks, which we talked about last week, and I'm talking about the pine green, UNLV, and Michigan colorways that were based off of the Be True to Your School series, which is the first Nike dunks to ever come out in August of 1985, we now see a ton of hype for those. And we see Nike SBs and regular dunks alike coming out a mile a minute. Three years into this, they're still coming out a mile a minute. Imagine if August was Nike dunk month. And Nike Dunk Day was something that could actually be a thing. Earlier in the show, when I was Sneaker Love, I did an episode on where are all the Dunk Retros? And there are so many of yesteryear that we all love. I think a lot of new heads don't appreciate some of those unless they are something that a celebrity has worn. 
And if you're listening in your new head, I'm not trying to throw shade at you at all. But if you are under the age of 21, it's probably very difficult for you to have any type of passion or understanding of something that came out before you were born. That maybe isn't something that is worn because the shoe is so old. So there are not a lot of them hanging out somewhere. Unless you're somebody like SB Collector who has just about every single sample of any Nike SB ever made. I don't think that you're actually gonna see somebody wearing, let's say, the Dunk Tiffany's, the Blue Lobsters, the Red Lobsters, the Newcastles. Somebody like Travis Scott has been wearing a lot of those, and I think that has been giving them a shine and putting them back out into the forefront, and I think people have wanted those, and they have been going to the rep market to get them, because why? Nike doesn't actually retro Dunks. And I've always wondered that. We retro Jordans all the time. Why can't Nike SB retro some of these classic SB Dunks? The the hype would be insane for some of these. If they re-released the Tiffany Dunks, oh my God, I'd be all over it. And that's what you could have making Nike Dunk Day in August. Every single August, we know that we're gonna get one. Can you imagine what would happen? It'd be a great way to go back and release a lot of these grail dunks. And not just for profit. Obviously, Nike would make a huge profit doing that, but the twofold part of this is being able to educate the new heads about what these shoes did for the culture today. If you listen to anything like the Complex Sneakers podcast or any of these other podcasts like Soul Savvy Podcast, they have people involved in them that have been around in sneaker culture obviously a lot longer than I have, but a lot longer than I think a lot of people who go out for sneaker releases on a weekly basis. I can't prove this, but I would say that the data probably skews toward more people who are younger than me and probably don't have really a clue as to a lot of the history of how these shoes came about. I think it's why a lot of Air Force Ones sit and don't sell out right away because the Air Force One is a silhouette that I think is cherished by a much older group in sneaker culture. I mean, hell, it came out in 1982, didn't it? So at that point, I wasn't even born yet. My friend Cleveland was born and that's why it is his favorite shoe. But if you ask young people today, Air Force Ones, unless it's one of those crisp white pairs or if it's something that has been designed by a sneaker boutique or somebody in Japan or some celebrity, they're not really going for it your garden variety general release Air Force Ones are out there. You can pick them up because people as a whole are not consuming them. And that's unfortunate. We could actually give them a spotlight, re-educate people on this. And this doesn't have to be a Nike and Jordan brand exclusive idea. You could do this all across the board, running the gamut of all the sneaker companies out there. Because if you go and Google classic sneakers of all time or best classic sneakers of all time, you're gonna find a ton that are definitely not hyped. Yes, the Air Jordan 1 will make it and others you might recognize will make it, but a lot of them, they were lifestyle shoes. They served a function. Sneakers today are a fashion piece. We buy them because we want them, they're coveted. But for many, many decades, sneakers were seen as something of function and maybe even something of sport, but those two worlds never really collided. You wouldn't buy a pair of Air Jordans because you want it to be fashionable. You'd buy a pair of Air Jordans because you wanted to play basketball. That's how they were originally marketed. So there are a lot of vintage lifestyle sneakers of long before times now and long before sneaker culture even became what it is today that could be given a spotlight and maybe we could educate and have something to look forward to. Here's a list of some of the things that come up to my mind. We already talked about Air Force Ones. They're 40 years old this year. They did a little bit of that, but I think it was sprinkled throughout the entire year. Imagine if it was a full month. The Jordan 3 and 4. Yes, again, we have some retros that come out and so forth, but being able to spotlight the history of it. Remember, the Jordan 3 is what really saved Jordan line to what it is today. And the Jordan 4, Michael was wearing the bread Jordan 4s when he made that famous shot against Craig Elo being on the cusp of who we now know Michael to be, a winner. 
and a champion. What about the Adidas Stan Smiths? I talked about them in the Thanksgiving episode and how they are something that has been around for a long time. Maybe not as coveted, but they are certainly a staple in sneaker culture. The New Balance 574. That's an obvious shoe that they make tons of different general releases on. You can go get them anywhere. But it has preceded a lot of these shoes that we know now, like the 990s, the 997s. But the Puma Suede's from the 1970s. Classic look. Still looks very, very vintage. But vintage is in today. So give them a shine for a month and put out some really, really fabulous looking colors with amazing quality. I mean, you have suede already on a shoe. You're already going to hit a home run. How about the classic low top Vans? Doesn't have to be the checkerboards. It can be the classic low top slip on Vans of any kind. Yeah, you can go out and buy these, sure. But maybe giving them some special highlight. Maybe doing something that's collaborating with a band or something like that. And again, yes, they do that throughout the whole year. But I'm talking about making it special. The Adidas All-Star. Fred Durst made those re-popular with Run DMC. The Saucony Jazz. The Reebok Pump. The Reebok Pump was actually the first shoe that I ever bought. I asked my parents to buy me a pair of them. And they bought the least expensive pair that they could find. And you know what? I was happier than a pig in shit because I could actually do the pump thing. And I get it. Many of these have yearly stock that isn't hyped, and perhaps you can walk into an outlet right now and get a pair of some of these. But perhaps adding this monthly element would pay proper homage to these shoes. And a lot of these shoes help form today's culture well before the advent of the Air Jordan. I know that in a previous episode, I talked about how the Air Jordan was the sneaker that started it all. And that is true. The Air Jordan 1 is the sneaker that caused us to be where we are today in sneaker culture. It is the symbol of where we are but it wasn't the start. It started today's culture. It didn't start what sneakers are as a whole. And I think you have to go back to previous decades, way, way back, even the 1930s and 40s with Adidas's early history, their connection with the Olympics. That's where a lot of these things came from. Remember, in the NBA, a lot of players wore Converse Chuck All-Stars, and they are not made for support, ladies and gentlemen. They are made, I don't know what they're made for, but when you wear a pair of them, it's like walking on a brick. And they were playing basketball in those. Think about where technology has gone to today. And that's why I think with so many shoes throughout the entire year, such high prices, maybe giving a little bit back to the classics and the old heads is the way to go. Because those are the people that really buoy up the culture. Yes, from a financial standpoint, obviously Nike cares about the people who are going to spend their dollars. This show is not about making Nike, Reebok, Adidas, Under Armour, or any of those companies any more money than they already make. We're here to talk about the love of sneakers. We're here to share stories. And that's how these stories come about. When you have an emotional connection to a sneaker, and if you tie it to a month the way that you have with the Jordan 11, I think it would add so much of an intrigue, so much of a history. And honestly, I think we'd have a much better connection to the shoes that we're spending so much money on. But I ask you, if there was one shoe that you'd want to see have a dedicated month, what would it be? Is it one of the ones that I have named? Do they already do it? Maybe you are a big fan of Air Maxes. Maybe you're a big fan of the Jordan 11. Maybe there is something else that you'd like to see. And if they did that, would it actually add something special to how you feel about it? Do sneaker stories matter? Does the lore matter? Does the connection actually matter? Or is it something else? Do you want the clout? Do you want to just, I guess, have the knowledge or the feeling that you know that you own something that everybody else wants? I'm not sure what it is. But all I know is that I think that this would add something to the I think that this would add something to the mix. And I just want to know from you. If you want to let me know, hit me up on Instagram. The handle is at FireFootwearPod. If you want to hit me up personally on Twitter, the handle is at MattyIceFreights. If you have any questions or comments you want to throw at me, positive or negative, firefootwearpod at gmail.com is the email address for the show. 
please support the Matty Ice Media Network by visiting www.mattyicemedia.com to find this show and information on all the other shows that we have as a part of the network. If you're a sports fan, there's a couple of really great choices there. Check us out there and give us a little bit of support. If you're listening on Apple and Spotify, please hit that follow button. Give us a rating. Give us some stars. It means the world. It helps us pop on the charts continue to grow. And the more visibility means the more content that I can bring to you and make an even bigger connection than we already have. I want to thank everybody for tuning in this week and every week that you tune in. I hope that this finds you safe and I will talk to you next week. This is Fire Footwear. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on Fire Footwear are those of Matt Freights and his guests and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Fire Footwear is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.